Chapter Twenty Three of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume One by Eugène Sue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Three: A House in the Rue du Temple, Part One. In order to profit by the particulars furnished by Baron de Grone respecting La Goualeuse and Germain, the schoolmaster's son, it became necessary for Rodolph to visit the house in the Rue du Temple, formerly the abode of that young man whose retreat the prince likewise hoped to discover through the intervention of mademoiselle rigolette although prepared to find it a difficult task inasmuch as it was more than probable if the grisette were really sufficiently in germain's confidence to be aware of his present abode she also knew too well his anxiety to conceal it to be likely to give the desired information by renting the chamber lately occupied by the young man rodolph besides being on the spot to follow up his researches considered he should also be enabled to observe closely the different individuals inhabiting the rest of the house the same day on which the conversation passed between the baron de grone and murphy rodolph plainly and unpretendingly dressed wended his way about three o'clock on a gloomy november afternoon towards the rue du temple situated in a district of much business and dense population the house in question had nothing remarkable in its appearance it was composed of a ground floor occupied by a man keeping a low sort of dram-shop and four upper stories surmounted by attics a dark and narrow alley led to a small yard or rather a species of square well of about five or six feet in width completely destitute of either air or light and serving as a pestilential receptacle for all the filth thrown by the various occupants of the respective chambers from the unglazed sashes with which each landing-place was provided at the bottom of a damp dismal-looking staircase a glimmering light indicated the porter's residence rendered smoky and dingy by the constant burning of a lamp requisite even at midday to enlighten the gloomy hole into which rodolph entered for the purpose of asking leave to view the apartment then vacant a lamp placed behind a glass globe filled with water served as a reflector and by its light might be seen at the far end of the lodge as in courtesy it was styled a bed covered with a sort of patchwork counterpane exhibiting a mingled mass of every known colour and material a walnut-tree table graced the side of the room bearing a variety of articles suited to the taste and ornamental notions of its owners first in order appeared a little waxen st john with a very fat lamb at his feet and a large peruke of flowing white curls on his head the whole enclosed in a cracked glass case the joinings of which were ingeniously secured by slips of blue paper secondly a pair of old-plated candlesticks tarnished by time and bearing instead of lights two gilded oranges doubtless an offering to the portress on the last new year's day and thirdly two boxes the one composed of variegated straw the other covered with multitudinous shells but both smelling strongly of the galleys or house of correction note ten these boxes were the exclusive manufacture of the criminals confined either in the galleys or prisons and who spent nearly all their spare hours in making them let us hope for the sake of the morality of the portress in the rue du temple that these precious specimens were not presented to her from the original owners and fabricators of them and lastly between the two boxes and just beneath a circular clock was suspended a pair of red morocco dress boots small enough for the feet of fairies but elaborately and skilfully designed and completed this chef-d'oeuvre as the ancient masters of the craft would style them joined to the fantastic designs sketched on the walls representing boots and shoes 
abundantly indicated that the porter of this establishment devoted his time and his talents to the repairing of shoes and shoe leather at the instant when rodolph ventured into the smoky den m pipelet the porter temporarily absent had left his better half madame pipelet as his representative this individual was seated by the stove in the centre of the lodge deeply engrossed in watching the boiling of a pot placed over it the description of madame pipelet may be given in a few words she was the most ugly forbidding wrinkled toothless old hag one might meet in the course of a long life her dress was dirty tawdry and untidy while her head-dress was composed of a brutus wig originally of a blonde colour but changed by time into every shade of red brown and yellow the stiff ends of the perished hair standing out like ears of wheat in a wheat sheaf much did madame pipelet pride herself upon this tasteful covering to her sexagenarian skull nor was it believed she ever laid it aside whether sleeping or waking at the sight of rodolph the porteress inquired in a surly tone well and pray what do you want i believe madame replied rodolph laying a profound emphasis on the word madame i believe there is an apartment to be let in this house the deep respect implied in his voice and words somewhat mollified the porteress who answered rather less sourly yes there is a room to let on the fourth floor but you cannot see it now alfred has gone out you are speaking of your son i presume madame may i take the liberty of asking whether he is expected in shortly i am not speaking of my son but my husband i suppose there is no act of parliament why my pipelet should not be called alfred is there pray none certainly madame that i am aware of but with your kind permission i will await his return i am very desirous of taking the vacant chamber both the street and neighbourhood suit me and the admirable order in which the house seems kept pleases me excessively but previously to viewing the lodging i am anxious to take i should be very glad to ascertain whether you madame could do me the favour to take the management of my little housekeeping off my hands i never like to have any one about me but the authorised housekeeper belonging to the house when such arrangements meet with their approbation this proposition so flatteringly expressed and the word housekeeper completely won madame pipelet who replied with the greatest of pleasure sir i will attend to all you require i am sure i shall be proud to wait upon such a gentleman and for the small charge of six francs a month you shall be treated like a prince then for six francs a month i may reckon upon your valuable services will you permit me to ask your name pomona fortunata anastasia pipelet well then madame pipelet having agreed as to your own terms will you be pleased to tell me those for the apartment i wish to engage with the adjoining small closet one hundred and fifty francs a month not a farthing less the principal lessee is a screw a regular skinflint what is his name monsieur bras rouge this name and the remembrances so unexpectedly presented by it made rodolph start i think madame pipelet you were saying that the principal lessee of the house is monsieur bras rouge and he lives rue aux Fèves, number thirteen he also keeps an estaminet near the champs-elysees all doubt was then at an end it was the bras rouge of infamous notoriety and singular indeed did the circumstance of thus coming across him strike rodolph but though m bras rouge is your principal lessee he is not i presume the owner of the house may i ask who is 
monsieur bourdon but i have never had communication with any one besides monsieur bras rouge with a design of still further ingratiating himself with the porteress rodolph resumed my dear madame this cold day would make a little of something warm and comfortable very acceptable might i venture to solicit the favour of your stepping as far as the spirit-shop kept so conveniently at hand and bring a bottle of cassia and two glasses for i feel very tired and the cold has quite seized me stay madame we will have three glasses if you please because i hope your husband will join us when he returns so saying he placed a franc in the fat dirty hand of the porteress ah monsieur you are determined to make us all fall in love with you cried madame pipelet nodding her approval of the commission and thereby sending the flush of pleasure into a face glowing with all the fiery honours of an excited bacchante to be sure there is nothing like a drop of really good cordial such a day as this and they do keep most excellent here at hand i'll go of course i will but i shall only bring a couple of glasses for alfred and i always drink out of the same glass poor old darling you so very nice and particular in showing all those sort of delicate attentions to women then go along my good madame pipelet and we will wait until alfred comes but then suppose any one wants me whilst i am out who will mind the lodge oh i'll take care of the lodge the old woman departed on her agreeable errand at the termination of a few minutes the postman tapped at the lodge window and putting his hand into the apartment presented two letters merely saying three sous six sous you mean for two letters replied rodolph one is free answered the man having paid and dismissed the postman rodolph mechanically examined the two letters thus committed to his charge but at a further glance they seemed to him worthy a more attentive observation the epistle addressed to madame pipelet exhaled through its hot-pressed envelope a strong odour of russia leather it bore on a seal of red wax the initials c r surmounted by a helmet and supported by a cross of the legion of honour the direction was written in a firm bold hand the heraldic device of the commingled cask and cross made rodolph smile and confirmed him in the idea that the writer of the letter in question was not a female who was this scented emblazoned correspondent of old anastasia pipelet rodolph felt an undefinable curiosity to know the other epistle written upon coarse and common paper was united only by a common wafer pricked over with the point of a pin and was addressed to m cesar bradamanti operating dentist evidently disguised the superscription was entirely composed of capital letters whether founded on a true or false presage this letter seemed to rodolph to wear a mournful look as though evil or misery were contained within its shabby folds he perceived that some of the letters in the direction were fainter than the others and that the paper there seemed a little rumpled a tear had evidently fallen upon it madame pipelet returned bearing the bottle of cassia and two glasses i have dawdled have i not monsieur said she gaily but let you once get into that good père st joseph's shop and it is hard work to get out again oh that old man is very insinuating here madame interrupted rodolph here are two letters the postman left while you were gone dear me two letters pray excuse me monsieur i suppose you paid for them i did you are very good i tell you what then we will settle that out of the first money you have to pay me how much was it 
three sous answered rodolph much amused at the ingenious method of reimbursement employed by madame pipelet but may i without offence observe that one of the letters is addressed to you and that you possess in the writer a correspondent whose billets doux are marvellously well perfumed let us see what it is about said the porteress taking the epistle in the scented envelope yes upon my word it is scented up like a real billet doux now i should very much like to know who would dare write me a love-letter he must be a villain and suppose it had fallen into your husband's hands madame pipelet oh for goodness sake don't mention that or i shall faint away in your arms but how stupid i am now i know all about it replied the fat porteress shrugging her shoulders to be sure to be sure it comes from the commandant lord bless me what a fright i have had for alfred is as jealous as a turk here is another letter addressed to m cesar bradamanti ah to be sure the dentist on the third floor i will put it in the letter-boot rodolph fancied he had not caught the right words but to his astonishment he saw madame pipelet gravely throw the letter alluded to into an old top boot hanging up against the wall he looked at her with surprise do you mean said he at length to put the gentleman's letter in oh yes that is all right replied the portress i have put it in the letter-boot there you see so now nobody's letters can be mislaid and when the different lodgers return home alfred or myself turns the boot upside down we sort them out and everybody gets his own so saying the portress proceeded to break the seal of the letter addressed to her which having done she turned it round and round looked at it in every direction then after a short appearance of embarrassment and uncertainty she said to rodolph alfred generally reads my letters for me because i do not happen to be able to read them myself perhaps you would not mind just looking over this for me with the utmost pleasure quickly replied rodolph curious to dive into the mysteries of who madame pipelet's correspondent might be and forthwith he read what follows written upon hot-pressed paper stamped in its right-hand corner with the helmet the letters c r the heraldic supporters and the cross of honour to-morrow friday about eleven o'clock let there be a good not an over-fierce fire lighted in both rooms have everything well dusted and remove the coverings from the furniture taking especial care not to scratch the gilding or to soil or burn the carpet while lighting the fires if i should not be in about one o'clock when a lady will arrive in a hackney-coach and inquire for me by the name of monsieur charles let her be shown up to the apartment after which the key is to be taken downstairs again and kept till my arrival spite of the want of finished composition displayed in this billet rodolph perfectly comprehended to whom and what it alluded to and merely added after perusing it who lives on the first floor then the old woman placed her yellow shrivelled finger upon her pendulous lip and replied by a half malicious grin hush there is a woman in the way silence oh my dear madame pipelet i merely asked because before living in a house one likes to know a little yes yes of course everybody likes to know all they can that is all fair enough and i am sure i have no objection to tell you all i know myself but that is very little well but to begin about six weeks ago a carpet-maker came here to look at the first floor which was then to let and to ask the price and other particulars about it next day he came again accompanied by a young man of fair complexion 
small moustaches and wearing a cross of honour and very fine linen the carpet-maker called him commandant a military man i suppose said rodolph military exclaimed madame pipelet with a chuckle not he why alfred might as well call himself porter to a prince how so why he is only in the national guard the carpet-maker only called him commandant to flatter him just the same as it tickles up alfred's vanity to be styled concierge instead of porter so when the commandant that is the only name we know him by had looked over the rooms he said to the upholsterer his friend well i think the place will do for me just see the landlord and arrange all about it yes commandant says the other and the very next day the upholsterer man signed the lease with monsieur bras rouge in his own name mind you and further paid six months in advance because he said the gentleman did not wish to be bored about references and such a power of fine furniture as was sent into the first floor so feces sarcophagus curtains all silk glasses set in gold and everything you can mention all beautiful enough to astonish you just for all the world like one of them grand cafes on the boulevards as for the carpets oh you never trod on the like of them i'll be bound put your foot on them and you'd fancy you was stepping on velvet and take it off again for fear of spoiling it when everything was completed the commandant came to look at it just to see if he could find out anything more he wanted but he could not so then he spoke to alfred and says he could you take charge of my rooms and keep them in nice order light fires from time to time and get them ready for me when i wish to occupy them i shall not be here often says he and would always write you a line before coming to give you time to prepare them yes commandant i can answers my flatterer of an alfred and what shall you charge twenty francs a month commandant twenty francs exclaimed the commandant why porter you are jesting surely and hereupon he began baiting alfred down in the most shabby manner trying to squeeze poor people like us out of two or three miserable francs when he had been squandering thousands in fitting up his grand apartments which after all he did not mean to live in however after a deal of battling we got twelve francs a month out of him a paltry pitiful two-farthing captain what a difference now between you and him added the porteress addressing rodolph with an admiring glance you don't call yourself fine names and titles you only look like a plain body you must be poor or you would not perch yourself on the fourth floor and yet you agreed with me for six francs without attempting to bait me down and when did the commandant pay you his next visit i'll tell you and good fun it is too my gentleman must have been nicely choused by somebody three times did he write same as to-day ordering us to light a fire and have everything ready for the reception of a lady he expected would come come yes i dare say he may expect a long time first i rather think nobody came then listen the first time the commandant arrived strutting and swelling like a turkey-cock humming and singing after his manner all the gay tunes of the day walking up and down his fine room with his hands stuck in his pockets and occasionally stopping to arrange his hair before the glass we were watching him all the time 
well this went on for two or three hours when i suppose he knew it was no use waiting any longer so he came downstairs very softly and with quite a different manner to the pride and consequence he had marched up with by a way of teasing him people and i went out to him and said commandant there has been no lady whatever to inquire for you very well very well exclaimed he half mad and half ashamed of being laughed at and buttoning up his coat he walked off as fast as he could the next time before he came himself a small note was brought here by a man directed to m charles i strongly suspected he was done again and pipelet and me were enjoying a good hearty laugh over it when the commandant arrived captain says i putting the back of my hand up to my wig by way of military salute here is a letter for you but i am afraid it contains news of a second countermarch against you he looked at me sour as a crab snatched the letter from my hand read it turned scarlet as a boiled lobster then walked off pretending to whistle but he was finally vexed ready to hang himself i could see he was and it was rare nuts to me go and swallow that pill my two-farthing captain says i to myself that serves you right for only giving twelve francs a month for minding your apartments and the third time ah the third time i really thought it was all right the commandant arrived more stuck up with pride than ever his eyes staring with self-satisfied admiration at himself and the certainty of not being disappointed this time let me tell the truth about him he really is a good-looking man and dresses well though he stinks of must like a civet cat well there was my gentleman arrayed in all his finery and scarcely condescending to look at us poor folks he seemed as though he conferred a favour on the earth by deigning to walk on it and went sticking his nose into the air as if he meant to touch the clouds with it he took the key and said to us as he passed upstairs in a jeering self-complacent tone as though to revenge himself for having been laughed at twice before you will direct the lady to my apartments when she comes well pipelet and i were so anxious to see the lady he expected though we did not much reckon upon her keeping her appointment even if she ever made one that we went and hid ourselves behind the little door that belongs to the alley and behold in a short time a blue hackney coach with its blinds drawn down stopped at the entrance to the house there she is says i to alfred there is his madame let's keep back a bit for fear we frighten her away the coachman got off his box and opened the door then we saw a female closely covered with a black veil and carrying a muff she had apparently been crying for she kept her handkerchief to her face for when the steps were let down instead of alighting she said some few words to the driver who much surprised shut the door up again then the lady did not get out no she threw herself back in the coach and pressed her handkerchief tightly to her eyes i rushed out and before the coachman had time to get on his seat again i called out hallo there coachy are you going back again yes says he where says i where i came from answers he and where did you come from asks i again from the rue saint dominique corner of the rue belle chasse 
rodolph started at these words his dearest friend the marquis d'harville who as elsewhere stated had been for some time labouring under a deep melancholy none could penetrate lived in the very place just mentioned by madame pipelet could this mysterious female in the blue fiacre be the marquise d'harville and was it from the lightness and frivolity of her conduct that the mind of her excellent husband was bowed down by doubts and misgivings these painful suggestions crowded on rodolph's mind but although well acquainted with all the various guests received by the marquise he could recollect no one answering the description of the commandant added to which any female might have taken a hackney-coach from that spot without necessarily living in the street there was really nothing to identify the unknown of the blue fiacre with madame d'harville and yet a thousand vague fears and painful suspicions crossed his mind his uneasy manner and deep abstraction did not escape the portress what are you thinking of sir asked she at length i was wondering what could have induced the lady after coming to the very door to change her mind so suddenly there is no saying some sudden thought dread or fear for we poor women are but we cowardly things said the porteress assuming a timid frightened manner well i think if it had been myself now coming secretly to visit alfred i should have had to try back a great many times before i could have screwed up my courage to venture in but then as far as visiting your great dons in this kind of way i never could have done such a thing no never i am sure there is nobody under the face of heaven can say i ever give them the least freedom i should think not indeed while my poor dear old darling of a husband is left no doubt no doubt madame pipelet but about the young person you were describing in the blue fiacre oh mind i don't know whether she was young or old i could not even catch a glimpse of the tip of her nose all i can say is she went as she came and that is all about it as for alfred and me we were pleased than if we had found ten francs why so by enjoying the rage and confusion of the commandant when he found himself a third time disappointed but instead of going and telling him at once that his madame had been and gone we allowed him to fume and fret for a whole hour then i went softly upstairs with only my list slippers on i reached his door which i found half shut as i pushed against it it creaked the staircase is as black as night and the entrance to the apartment quite as obscure scarcely had i crept into the room when the commandant caught me in his arms saying in a languishing voice my dearest angel what makes you so late in spite of the serious nature of the thoughts crowding upon his mind rodolph could not restrain a smile as he surveyed the grotesque periwig and hideously wrinkled carbuncled visage of the heroine of this comic scene madame pipelet however resumed her narration with a mirthful chuckle that increased her ugliness there was a go wasn't it but stop a bit well i did not make the least reply but almost keeping in my breath i waited to see what would be the end of this strange reception for a minute or two the commandant kept hugging me up then all of a sudden the brute pushed me away exclaiming with as much disgust as though he had touched a toad who the devil are you me commandant the porteress madame pipelet and as such i will thank you to keep your hands off my waist 
and not to call me your angel and scold me for being late suppose alfred had heard you a pretty business we should have made of it what the deuce brings you here cried he merely to let you know the lady in the hackney coach has just arrived well then you stupid old fool show her up directly did i not tell you to do so yes commandant you said i was to show her up then why do you not obey me because the lady speak out woman if you can the lady has gone again something you have said or done then to offend her i am sure roared he in a perfect fury not at all commandant the lady did not alight but when the coach stopped and the driver opened the door she desired him to take her back to where she came from the vehicle could not have got far by this time exclaimed the commandant hastening towards the door it has been gone upwards of an hour answered i enjoying his fury and disappointment an hour an hour and what in devil's name hindered you from letting me know this sooner because commandant alfred and i thought we would spare you as long as we could the tidings of this third breakdown which we fancied might be too much for you come thinks i there is something to make you remember flinging me out of your arms as though it made you sick to touch me be gone bawled out the commandant you hideous old hag you can neither say nor do the thing that is right and with this he pulled off his dressing-gown and threw his beautiful greek cap made of velvet embroidered with gold on the ground it was a real shame for the cap was a downright beauty and as for the dressing-gown oh my it would set anybody longing meanwhile the commandant kept pacing the room with his eyes glaring like a wild beast and glowing like two glow-worms but were you not afraid of losing his employ he knew too well what he was about for that we had him in a fix we knew where his madame lived and had he said anything to us we should have threatened to expose the whole affair and who do you think for his beggarly twelve francs would have undertaken to attend to his rooms a stranger no that we would have prevented we would soon have made the place too hot to hold any person he might appoint poor shabby fellow that he is what do you think he actually had the meanness to examine his wood and put out the quantity he should allow to be burnt while he was away he is nothing but an upstart i am sure a nobody who has suddenly tumbled into money he does not know how to spend properly a rich man's head and a beggar's body who squanders with one hand and nips and pinches with the other i do not wish him any harm but it amuses me immensely to think how he has been befooled and he will go on believing and expecting from day to day because he is too vain to imagine he's being laughed at at any rate if the lady ever comes in reality i will let my friend the oyster-woman next door know she enjoys a joke as well as i do and is quite as curious as myself to find out what sort of person she is whether fair or dark pretty or plain and who knows this woman may be cheating some easy-going simpleton of a husband for the sake of our two-penny half-penny of a commandant well that is no concern of mine but i am sorry too for the poor dear deceived individual whoever he may be dear me dear me my pot is boiling over excuse me a minute i must just look to it ah it is time alfred was in for dinner is quite ready and tripe you know should never be kept waiting 
this tripe is done to a turn do you prefer the thick or thin tripe alfred likes it thick the poor darling has been sadly out of spirits lately and i got this dainty dish to cheer him up a bit for as alfred says himself that for a bribe of good thick tripe he would betray france itself his beloved france yes the dear old pet would change his country for such fine fat tripe as this he would End of chapter twenty three part one